welcome to Oral Presentations Podcast, episode 69. 69! Part 3 of George Orwell's 1984. What's up? How are you guys? I, uh, I, I'm just back from... I did stand-up in Raleigh uh, with Shane Gills and Chris O'Connor all weekend uh, at Good Nights Comedy Club. Then I drove back, and then uh, Super Bowl happened. I was in a Super Bowl commercial for Cure Auto Insurance uh, that was directed by John McKeever. And now I'm doing, this is episode 69, which is the most fun number of a podcast that can happen, obviously. Uh, And here's the thing, when I started Oil Presentations, my first plan for episode 69, because I've had multiple episode 69 plans. You could have guessed that. So when I first started, I was like, if you get to 69, dude, you're doing the Headless Horseman, the story of Ichabod Crane in full Spanish. You don't tell anybody. Just out of nowhere, full Spanish episode. (laughs) Dude, I planned out like study time for like, I don't know, four days. It was one of those plans that, but it lasted longer than usually those plans last like an hour. That lasted, I thought about that for a couple of months and probably did maybe two hours of Spanish exercises looking up how to say like, what is it? Caballo sin cabeza, el caballo sin cabeza, the cowboy without a head. I don't know. See, I would have to learn the specialized language. That was plan one. Way too much work, but, and probably not even, people might have been mad. Been like, what are you talking about, full span? What is this? Let's <laughs> just not explain it. I would have had to done like a second regular episode at the same time. Either way, too much work, way too ambitious. And then I was going to do human hip mobility, like uh, flexibility, and that's kind of like a <laughs> for like 69. And then, but we're, we're doing 1984 and I had to break it up into three parts and this is part three. And this is the, this might be the saddest subject matter I will cover. I've got, I've, I've covered so far. This is the, this is going to be, this is sad front to back. <laughs> part two is, part two is all right. Oh, this book, it's kind of upbeat. It's a romance going. I'm, there's no other way. To, guys, this is going to be sad front to back. Uh, so it's all right. But don't you want to know the end of the book? I left it on such a cliffhanger. I was I was going to do it right when I got down to Raleigh. And things just got going. And I was like, I can't. I don't, I don't, uh. So I'm doing it now. It's all right. But we got to do, do the end of the book. This is also the least likely part of the book that I think people would try to talk to you about in conversation. It's really not a pick-me-up. Um, but there is. We are going to hit at least one reference that I've seen people use on Twitter. And I was like, I think that's from 84. But I don't know what the fuck that means. We're going to cover that. Um, and if you haven't listened to part one or two, just quick recap, the books, 1984 by George Orwell, literary classic, uh, it's a dystopian future, like Soviet Union, totalitarian society, but like way worse than even that was secret police everywhere. You can get arrested for political crimes. If you get arrested for political crimes, you go to the thing called the ministry of love where they reprogram you, which they might disappear. You, they don't really know what happens out there, but all the torture is done under the idea of like, we're trying to fix you, man. So the society is broken down into the lower 85% is proles. They have nothing to do with nothing. They're just, they, the government keeps them drunk and they dead drop porn in different parts of town to try to distract them. The proles are, they're hanging out. That's what they're doing. Our main character, Winston, is in the next tier of society. I believe it's, man, top of my head. The, the top part is 2%. That's the inner party. Winston is the other part. Well, it's 15, 10, 2. Man, I gotta stop and do this or else I'm gonna get made fun of. I don't know. 
17%? Close. Come on, Chris. 3 plus 7? No, it's less. 13%. Winston is of the 13% of the society that makes up the inner party, and then the very top of the uh, society is the 2%, which is the inner party that does Big Brother and controls the entire population. So the, the idea is that the inner party keeps everybody under their boot, and especially the proles, which we just keep them dumb and hammered and finding pornos every now and then they don't really cause too many problems the only hope for the society is if the proles ever get together but because they're finding porn everywhere in the woods and i mean they're not planning anything but that's ultimately where our main character winston believes that there there's any hope for this society it's the proles getting organized but the proles are not getting organized so our main character winston is in the inner party he's got a government job it's rewriting history he found he doesn't buy it he's like is everybody am i the only one seeing that this sucks Am I the only one? So the book so far has been Winston kind of trying to find out, like, yo, does anybody, everybody else see? Somebody, somebody tell me that somebody else is seeing that this sucks. So the first guy that he found that might also think that this society sucks was a work friend, a dude named O'Brien, because at work they had assemblies every day called the Two Minutes of Hate, where everybody's got to stand up and talk shit on the other countries and talk about how awesome Oceana is, which is the country that our main character Winston lives in. So during the Two Minutes of Hate, he made eye contact with this dude, O'Brien, that was the same kind of eye contact where, like, if somebody ever hits a hard fart in a meeting, you look over and you're like, yo, <laughs> like, you can't laugh hard, but you're like, that guy might be, I feel like that guy's like me, dude, nice. So Winston had that during the two minutes of hate at work with this dude, O'Brien, so he was like, yo, is this guy my friend? But his, Winston's life still sucks, so he kept living, and then he had this work dream, or he had this dream about this babe at work who he doesn't talk to, but he did see, and it was like a hot... It was a hot work dream, right? And he was kind of depressed at the time. So he had that, wakes up, starts doing pull-ups immediately. He's like, I got a destiny. I got a reason to live. That was so hot. Specifically, the part of the dream that he wakes up and he thinks about forever is when she took her clothes off, she worked for the anti-sex league. And the way that those employees represent that is a red sash across their hips. So in the dream, the way she like flicked a red sash onto a bush, Winston was like, damn, dude, there was, that was the hottest part of that. How she like threw this out, I don't really... The rest of it was nice too, but it was mostly that that sash throw. That's why I'm doing burpees right now. He does so many burpees, and then he goes back to work, becomes a model, or no, he doesn't. He doesn't become a model employee yet. So he goes back to work after he has that dream, and he's like, "All right, things are all right." And then at work, the girl from the dream fake trips, gives him a note, is like, "Yo, I love you." They start hooking up, the girl from the work dream. Talk about a reason to live, right? He's, he's suspicious the whole time because he's paranoid about the society because he knows that he has thoughts that are anti-party, which could get him murdered if he gets found out for. But he's kind of like, yeah, what am I living for? This girl's doing like Jason Bourne tricks to pass me hot notes at work. Yeah, I'm going to go meet her in the forest. So they start hooking up. They meet in the forest. It's the exact same place from Winston's dream. He starts bugging a little bit the first time they hook up, but... She, like, laughs it off, and it's not a big deal. It seems like she really likes him. So, they got a good, like, new relationship thing going back in this totalitarian society, which totally sucks, but it's all right because they got each other. So, Winston brings her to this antique store that he went to before that he bought this coral at, and he had, he wrote, like, Death Cab for Cutie lyrics about this coral he bought at this antique store because he's, yeah, he's depressed, dude. He's sad. He's living in this society, right? So, he brings his new... New babe, who also is 27 and Winston's 39, so like, you know, hot new relationship, dude. So they got this new spot at this antique store with this guy named Mr. Charleston, I think. Charles something. Anyway, he, the, when Winston first met him, this guy was weird as shit, talking about, like, we move into my old wife's room, my wife died. Anyway, have this coral, it's, just, it's our favorite thing. It was kind of a weird vibe, but he maybe seemed lonely. 
So Winston brings Julia to this antique store. He's like, yo, this is going to be our spot. Yo, Mr. Charles, or whatever your name is, Mr. Charleston, weird guy with a dead wife. Can we have hot illegal sex upstairs or what? Mr. Charleston's like, that'd be magnificent. So they start hooking up there. Things are going pretty good. But early relationship fights kind of happen. Specifically, they're half naked hanging out this uh, this uh, antique store one time. Oh, wait. There's one time Winston sort of screws up, like, one of those, like, meet-up, hook-up things, because a rat comes out of the wall, and he starts bugging, because, like, he can't handle rats at all. Like, he totally freaks out. But Julia's cool, and just, like, rolls with it, and she's like, there's rats everywhere. It doesn't make fun of him too bad, but Winston hates rats in real life, dude. So, early couple relationship fight. They're hooking up at this antique place, and there's a prole lady that lives next to this place. It's in the prole section. And Winston really likes the idea of this lady. He's got, like, a romantic side to him. It's like kind of like the Death Cab for Cutie lyrics type deal where, like, he likes this lady who sings when she does laundry and has a bunch of kids. And he, like, pointed it out to Julia once. And Julia was like, yo, I hate that lady. She's so ugly. I, f- I hate everything about that lady. She sucks. And Winston was like, what are you talking about, right? So that was a tough fight. Fight got even worse because then the secret police bust into the antique store, arrest them both. You're not supposed to be doing any of this in the society. They got caught having hot, hookup, elite. There's no romance. There's no love. Like, kids are just for, like, new party members. And the government controls love because it could be a force that may overthrow them sometimes. Everything they're doing is illegal, dude. And right after the, the fight about the lady with the kids who sings, that was, like, kind of a minor issue in a relationship. Major issue in a relationship as they both become arrested by the secret police. And that's where we leave off. That, that was the end of part two. That's where I left you, and it's been... It's been a number of days. Sorry. I hope again, and this, this is going to be a downer guys. All right, but let's go through it. Let's see how it works out. Maybe there's a silver line into it, but where we last left off our main character, Winston was arrested. We don't know where he's getting taken. And Julie also got punched in the solar plexus pretty hard and arrested. So let's see where this star crossed romance ends up. All right. So we rejoin Winston. He's underground. He thinks he's in the ministry of love. Which is correct. He is in the Ministry of Love. He got arrested for political crimes. That's where they take you for reprogramming. Now, what does it look like? He's sitting on a skinny bench in this room. Uh, It's all white tile enamel. There's a giant telescreen, which if you didn't listen to part one or part two, every room has a telescreen with like government QVC going about like, things are great. We are great. Oceanos, what's up? So this has got one of those going. Uh, but it's Winston alone in a cell, white tile on a bench, and he's terrified because he knows what happens in the Ministry of Love, and he knows what he got caught doing. He knows he's been a bad boy. So he's chilling alone, and then this lady comes in, just some some hammered lady who's kind of older, and sh- this lady comes in, and she's like, hey, what's up? Oh, I'm fucked up. How are you? And Winston's like, hey, I'm Winston. My last name's Smith. How are you doing? And the lady's like, my last name's Smith, Blah, and then fucking throws up all over him. So Winston's having a hard time already. He hasn't even started being tortured yet. It's just some hammered lady from from Cancun show. Some prole comes in, throws up on him. And then he's like, all right, well, this isn't going so good. Oh, that's another thing. So if proles get arrested, both political prisoners and just regular people who get arrested, they all go to the Ministry of Love. But there's two way different vibes amongst prisoners. Because Winston's sort of in like a, like a holding cell thing where people come in and out because he hasn't really been taken for any re-education yet. So, the two different vibes you got. If it's a, a person who's been arrested for political shit, they are terrified. They are death row the whole time because they probably know what goes on here a little bit and they know what they've done. So, if you're a political prisoner in here, you are terrified the whole time. The other type of prisoner is like the girls going wild lady 
who's 70 years old who just showed up. It's mostly just proles getting double-digit DUIs and getting re-released. There, it's just it's Cancun down there. If it's there's the two vibes of this prison. There's either I'm carefree and I'm throwing up, and this is my 11th DUI, and there's a, there's no three strike policy here. They just re, they re-release proles all day. So there's two different two different things go. But Winston's keeping to himself here. He did get thrown up on, which is a bummer. But he's he's trying to do the best he can, and he's thinking about O'Brien, the dude from work with that eye contact during the two minutes of hate. Where he's like, yo, maybe O'Brien will help me out. Because in part two, both Julia and Winston were introduced into the Brotherhood, which is a secret society ran by O'Brien. That like you don't you're only gonna know the one person who brings you in. It's a secret anti-government society. There was a book that O'Brien gave Winston that Winston was like, yo, this book rules. He took it home and he read it to Julia. And he was like, these rebel thoughts are awesome. And then Julia fell asleep. And that was kind of a weird thing for a relationship. But like she could have been tired and he could have put too much expectations on that activity, you know. But it did bum Winston out. Anyway, so Winston's thinking about O'Brien. He's like, yo, he gave me the book. He might break me the fuck out here. I know he's got a good sense of humor type deal. Where we're like, you know, I, I, he's a good dude. He'd probably at least look into what happened to me. So as he's chilling in there, a dude that Winston knows ample forth which I believe was from part two, co-worker, gets brought in. Now, the only other place we know Ampleforth from is when Winston, after Julia did that Jason Bourne plan to slide in that hot I love you note, at work that same day, Winston was trying to like maneuver around the lunch table to sit close to Julia to be like, are you fucking kidding me? You're so young and hot. Like, you need to talk to her to be like, are you fucking kidding me? So he was in the lunchroom trying to do the butt scoot, and Ampleforth was a dude who was totally ruining that by being like, Winston! Hey, Winston, come, why don't you sit over, why are you moving so much, Winston? And Winston was like, I fucking hate this guy. I don't even, we're not even friends. Do we stop ruining this? I got a hot note from a 27-year-old. Give me a second, dude. Anyway, so Winston's chilling out in the Ministry of Love, and they bring in Ampleforth. Winston's like, what the fuck are you here for, man? You're pretty harmless. You're kind of a boo, but I don't know why you're here. And Ampleforth is like, well, I left the word God because in my job I rewrite stuff. And I left the word God in because I couldn't, honestly, I do poetry. I can't, I couldn't rhyme anything with it, dude. So I just left it in, let it slide. Now I'm, I don't know what's going on. I'm pretty, I'm pretty scared, but it's nice to see you, man. So Ampleforth shows up. Another guy Winston knows shows up, Mr. Parsons. If you remember, uh, I believe we hit on these in both part one and part two, but Mr. Parsons is the father of a family unit it's mr mrs parsons and then they're bad bad kids who are lighting ladies on fire so mr parsons is i love the party he's all in he's making the best he can he won't he's just he's one of those guys who's like i love everything it's fine this is exactly what i'm supposed to be doing hell yeah his kids are like in the youth group of like the government and they are adamant that's why they lit a lady on fire and then the mr parsons was like nice you lit that lady on fire because she was doing anti-government stuff i love you kids and the mom in that family is just like i have made a tremendous mistake in my life i don't know if it was multiple ones or what my husband is this guy my kids are lighting women on fire i'm just trying to do the best i can so that's the parsons family so Winston's chilling. Ampleforth already showed up. Mr. Parsons is arrested. He, he's fucking, Mr. Parsons loves the party. What'd you do, man? So Mr. Parsons is like, hey, you know how my kids love the government a lot? I guess I was talking in my sleep and my, my kids, they, they told the government. And so I'm here now, but he's not even bummed. He's like, but I love my kids so much. You know, I'm glad they caught me. So now I can come here and relearn. Mr. Parsons is all the way in. He totally believes that like, not, this won't even be bad. This is how the government's supposed to work. I'm glad my kids narked on me, and now I'm, I might get tortured a shitload, but it's how it's supposed to be. So those are his friends who show up. Now, while these friends are showing up, 
in the holding cell area, Winston sees a couple dudes get called by like the guard and they'll be, uh, and when the guard will come in and be like, they'll just call somebody's name and be like Dobson room one Oh one. And then whoever the dude was in there named Dobson, and when he hears he gets called for room 101, starts going nuts, dude. Starts, lo- just breaks, loses their mind. And Winston doesn't know why, but dude, they go, you get called for room 101, you go feral. Dude. You start eating your own hands and stuff. You go crazy. Start singing Mariah Carey. Dude. You lose your mind. And Winston doesn't know what happens there, but everybody goes nuts, and you, you don't see him again. So Winston's like, all right, note that room 101 probably sounds like it's not the most fun ever. I don't know what the fuck happens there, but people, all right, try not to go there. So chilling in the ministry of love, Winston goes up and he looks at the door and he sees work bro O'Brien through the, through the door. He's like, yo, dude, I was just thinking about you with the book and the whole thing. Are you here? Are you here to like, bust me out, dude? What's up? They got you too? What's, what the fuck's going on? And O'Brien looks back at Winston and he's like, yeah, they got me a long time ago, man. Fucking O'Brien set the whole thing up. Winston finds out O'Brien has been the dude the whole time. Dude, we made eye contact at work over that thing. Remember? I thought you were cool, dude. Turns out O'Brien, O'Brien is not cool. And Winston is like, fuck, dude. This is the one guy I thought was going to break me out here. This is... This is not going to go well. So that's the end of chapter one, part three. So Winston is not in a good situation. And the only hope he had, O'Brien, has turned out to be the guy who has been engineering this thing. Maybe, probably not alone, but he has been heading this up. And we don't know for how long. And Winston knows that O'Brien has seen him do all the bad boy things. O'Brien's the one, he he gave him the book. He had done, The Brotherhood's probably fake now. Winston's devastated, dude. O'Brien set this whole thing up. Fuck. All right, so on to getting tortured, Winston. I told you it's not a pick-me-up episode. We're just going to blow through the story, all right? Still in the Ministry of Love. Time to get tortured, Winston. Who's going to do the torturing? O'Brien, you piece of shit. Oh, I thought you were cool, dude. Come on. Winston gets pulled out, and it's not Room 101. This is just starter torture going here. O'Brien, the guy he trusted and doctorated him into the Brotherhood, thought we were, dude, I thought we had something, man. I thought, this is why you don't make friends when you're over 30. Unless, even at work, dude, you can't, I can't trust anybody anymore. I got friends from back then. I, don't, I can't make new friends, dude. This is what happens. Winston strapped down to a table. He has electrodes all over him, and O'Brien is going to, and here's the thing, the tone that O'Brien takes when he's torturing Winston, it's a weird, dude, it's so weird. It's already, Winston already has to deal with, I, I thought this guy was my friend, that kind of betrayal. And now the tone that O'Brien has as he's electroshock and Winston is like a nurturing tone. Like, like O'Brien is Winston's daddy it, because the, the reprogramming thing. The, so, cause O'Brien's all the way in. So he's, he's shocking the shit out of Winston. And so Winston tries to give up like the basic stuff at the beginning. He's like, yeah, dude, you know everything. I did all this stuff, whatever. I thought I fucking think about this stuff. I had a hot sex stream. I started doing burpees. It was cool. Totally fucked in the woods a few times. I'm not trying to say anything, but like, you know, but it's not enough. O'Brien's like, you got to give up Julia. Say that you say that you give up Julia, give up everything on Julia. Winston's like, dude, come on, man. It's the one thing I had going. I know I made some mistakes, whatever. And it's just electroshock back and forth, back and forth. Now, the thing that I've seen on Twitter that I wanted to make sure that I said here because I didn't really know what it meant, but when I came across it, I was like, oh shit, that's what that meant. So as O'Brien is torturing Winston in like that, I'm your daddy, 
we're going to be okay way. So creepy. O'Brien keeps saying that, like, we got to make you relearn, dude. We got to relearn the truth of the party. And Winston's like, dude, what are you talking about? And O'Brien is like, the truth of the party is two plus two equals five, which is the thing I've seen used as uh, reference all over the place. So two plus two equals five is what O'Brien is trying to drill into Winston's head because it's a, I think it's a, all right. So it's the idea that you'll believe anything you, whatever the party says, you you shut up. This is the exact, if we say it's two plus two is five, two plus two is five. This is what we got to get back in. We got to get you relearning this. And Winston's like, all right, dude, this sucks. Will you please stop shocking me? And O'Brien's like, yeah, sure. Hard shock. And then he tells him that there's no martyrdoms. That like, dude, you're not going to get out of here. You got to give up Julia. I'm sick of this shit. You, and then O'Brien, this is a famous line. O'Brien tells Winston that he's a flaw in the pattern. And then O'Brien's like, but don't worry, buddy. I'm going to fix you. I'm going to fix you. And Winston's like, you piece of shit, dude. This is why you don't make work friends, dude. I can't trust anybody. I fucking did this to myself. Oh, also, we find out O'Brien's been planning this for seven years. Betrayal on betrayal. How many years did you... Dude, you just started trying to be my friend at work like a year ago. You've been watching me for six years, dude? That's creepy as shit. So, O'Brien's like, I'm going to fix you. Chapter three of part three. Still torturing. Here we go. Torturing keeps on rolling. And it's not just one day. We're talking about like a number of weeks here, number of months. You're in the Ministry of Love. It's just torture town all over the place. Still O'Brien shocking the shit out of you. So at one point in time, Winston's like, dude, what about that book you gave me? I read the whole thing. We had like a nice reading out loud date thing. She fell asleep. It did hurt my feelings. But honestly, maybe she remembers that as like, I read her a book as she went to sleep. And maybe it's a nice memory for her. Anyway, what the fuck was that book, man? And O'Brien's like, fucking fake shit. That shit was fake as fuck. And that hurts Winston's feelings. And he's getting shocked the whole time. And then O'Brien starts talking about how all the party wants... And what's the ultimate future is that the party has power over men. And O'Brien thinks about the future as like a boot on the face of humanity. And he's saying this in glowing terms and in like a fatherly, nurturing tone to Winston. And Winston's like, dude, I am. And by now, Winston looks like shit, by the way. They haven't really been feeding him. Things aren't going well. But he hasn't seen himself either. And this is the next torture. So after O'Brien shocks him some more. He puts a mirror in front of Winston, and Winston sees his face, and it looks like a like a skinny gargoyle, like a Jack like Jack Skeleton's body, if his body was his face, all the way down. His teeth, he's lost a bunch of teeth and shit. And O'Brien's like, "Look at yourself, dude. Give her up." And Winston's just staring at his fucked up face, and then O'Brien walks by and snaps a tooth out of his mouth, just because that's how malnourished he is, because they haven't been feeding him. And you know that hurts Winston's feelings, but the one truth that Winston is holding on to. Is that like, all right, I still love Julia. I'm telling you, it, I think, you know, was she was she out of my league? I don't know. But I think she liked me, dude. I'm telling you, I'm not giving her up. I'm not, I think she liked, I got the one thing I got. I, he did snap a tooth out. That hurt. It's all right. I got dentures or something. But that he's holding on to the truth of Julia here. So O'Brien is like, you know what? You've been actually doing all right. You know, you're still holding on to that, 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 that lady thing, which bothering me, but the rest of this, you did give up everything else. You seem like you're on the right path. They start giving him food and stuff. It's not great food. It's like all the Dr. Bob you can drink. And Winston's like, all right, well, I'll have some Dr. Bob and do some sit-ups. Cause maybe I'll get out of here. We'll have some sort of like partial custody relationship where I could see Julia or like, I don't know, text me nudes or something. I don't know. Maybe I can work with the government. They seem to be in all right. So Winston's kind of having 
a turnaround here because O'Brien, he's still in the ministry of love. But they're giving him some food and he's doing some pull-ups and stuff now. He's, he's feeling all right. Then Winston gets called Winston Smith for room 101. All right. Maybe it's not going to be so bad. You let me put on some weight, you know? Why would they build you up? Oh, I don't even really want to think about it. All right, Winston Smith to room 101. Here we go. In room 101, Winston Smith is strapped to a chair. Uh, feet, ankles, totally restrained. Also, the chair has a head back that uh, you have a leather strap on your forehead, which is holding your skull against the back of the chair. You know the flat part of your skull on the back? Well, that leather strap is so tight that that flat part of your skull is on the back of the chair. So you can't look left or right. You're completely restrained in room 101. That's where Winston's at, and that's how he's sitting. So, what do the guards bring into the room? Rats. And O'Brien's in there. O'Brien's in there being like, here we go, bud. Guards bring in rats, which is Winston's complete tariff, a complete irrational fear. And this has been a plan designed by O'Brien over the last seven years for how to completely mentally incinerate Winston Smith. And so now we got we got rats coming in. All right. Can't move. As soon as he sees the rats, he's losing his fucking mind. Uh, so here's what happens here. All right. So work friend has like a, it looks like a crab cage. He's got. It's a crab cage, but it's got rats, and it's got a divider in there. Now, the part that they're going to put on Winston's face here, it's going to sit on his face like a VR headset. So the way that it's going to be put on his head, the, the end, it's like a sh- long shoebox, and it's got two, and O'Brien talks about how vicious these rats are. They haven't been fed in days. They're from the prole area. They eat babies all the time. They'll go through your stomach. These are the two rats we got here, and they're going to burrow through your eyes, Winston, once I put this thing on your face. So the way that this crab cage is going to sit on Winston's face, O'Brien's going to push it onto his face. Now, you remember when we were all kids and there was that, that toy that you get from, like, Edmund Scientific or, like, the Franklin Institute? It was like a science toy with the pins that you would put your hand on, and then it would have an imprint of your hand. Remember that toy? And then, or like, and then they'd be like, don't put your face on it. And then you'd put your face on it and you get yelled at. And then you put your tongue on it. And then they'd be like, you can't fucking play with this anymore. One of those pin toys, right? So the sides of the crab cage are pin toyed. So <laughs> this crab cage with horrific sewer rats are going to burrow through Winston's skull, getting pin toyed onto his face like a VR headset. O'Brien's like, give up Julia, give her up. And Winston's losing his mind, feral screaming out of his mind, right? So O'Brien goes up, and there's a crab cage door in the middle of this shoebox. He's going to release these rats onto Winston's face and kill him with his phobia. This has been planned for seven years. O'Brien goes up to grab the door. Winston starts screaming, do it to Julia. Do it to Julia, do it to Julia. He uh, he just starts screaming, do it to Julia. Sells her out. Oh, boy. There it goes. (laughs) Losing his mind. Do it to Julia. And then the uh, last thing Winston hears is the, the divider in the crab cage wrap trap click shut, and then he blacks out. So he does, he betrays the one thing that he was trying to hold on to and retain his humanity in the face of the, the torture of the party by the hands of his work friends. He betrays her. All right, so a couple months go by. Hard cut. Winston's out. All right. Out of the ministry of love. Out. How's it going, bud? 
did we have some rough times in there? Yeah. You know, what's tomorrow look like Winston? Well, all right. So we rejoin Winston. He's, he's released. Now he's hanging out in, now if you listen to part two, he found a picture of these three guys who were political prisoners. It was a big deal. I called them Tom Sizemore's because they were like sort of celebrities that Winston knew, but like didn't knew, like knew of. They, they had this famous picture that, that Winston saw in this chestnut diner that he's hanging out in now as he got re-released. And it's sort of supposed to be a callback of like, man, this is a strange setting that I'm right back here. And this is where I found that picture or like, this is where that picture was taken. That gave me the first clue that the government's lying to everybody. And this is fucked up. And now I'm re-released after being in the ministry of love and being reprogrammed. And now I chill in this place all day. Cause that's all he does. Now he does have a government job. It's different than his last government job. He's on like some fucking committee or some subcommittee of a mother committee and a, a committee down there and then a janitor's committee underneath that. And then, but it's an all right job and it's actually a pay bump from where he was at. But he write, he like writes a report once a month and has to show up. It's a completely useless job. He's physically unrecognizable from what he was when he went in. Uh, because they, uh, he's now put on a tremendous amount of weight. They say he's, he's physically unrecognizable. He drinks, he drinks victory gin. Oh, he's hammered all day playing chess alone in this place. Like if you brought your kids in to eat here, like you didn't have a plan for dinner and you had to get, and this is the only guy in the restaurant, you're sitting at the booth, like in the other, in the other room. Cause you're like, I that guy that's, that smells like waiting to die. So, you know, re-released making, uh, making every day count is where we rejoin Winston now. And so then he has a flashback because he, he's been out for a few months now. Now, when he first got out, it was March and it was cold when he got released from the Ministry of Love. And he has a flashback and we learned that he, he ran into Julia when he first got re-released. Now, Julia also got arrested in that antique store, and, but he doesn't really know what happened, but he knows he betrayed her. So when he gets out, he runs into her and she's totally different too. He's like, hey, what's up? And she's like, yo, what's going on? It's kind of like a weird thing. Like, you ever have like a close friend and then you don't see him forever and then you move back home for a second, you see him in a grocery store and you don't really know how to pick up this relationship. And you're like, what are we, what's up, dude? Like, I, how, how, what's going on? And Julia's like, and, and the first thing Winston tells her, like, yo, I betrayed you. And Julia's like, yeah, I, I betrayed you too, man. But she's not, she's not the same at all. She doesn't speak the same. She doesn't look the same. Winston tries to put her arm around her, and he feels like no warmth, no nothing, just because things are so different. And Julia also has a scar across her forehead all the way left to right from what's implied to be a lobotomy, which we, we covered on, on Patreon. We did lobotomies. It was, uh, and it was like one of the worst medical decisions ever to do those things. It was just they would like physically – uh, alter parts of your brain surgically. And that was really bad. So Julia had, Julia has one of those too. When he runs. So we learned that, that there was just some interaction with no warmth afterwards of like, Hey, I betrayed you. Hey, I betrayed you too. All right, man, I'll see you. And then Winston tries to follow her a little bit, but it like, doesn't make sense. And he's like, I don't fucking even know what I'm doing, dude. So we learned that in the flashback. So she's, uh, she's out too. And then the uh, and then the very end of the book is uh, last couple pages. There's a famous line: "The long hoped for bullet was entering his brain," uh, which is it's a metaphorical bullet. Nobody actually shoots him in the head. What that represents is that the the bullet of the party ideology has finally taken complete control of our main character Winston's complete identity. He has uh, he is the party now. That's the bullet that enters his brain. 
And it says that he had finally won the victory over himself, which means uh, he no, is no longer conflicted. He uh, Last line is, and he finally loved Big Brother. You know, he went down, uh, he went, went down swinging, though, you know? And that's it, guys. That's, uh, <laughs> that's George Orwell's 1984, you know? What are you going to do? They were playing it against you for seven years, you know? I mean... Yeah, uh, again, episode 69 of Oral Presentations, George Orwell's uh, 1984 Part 3. Yeah, Probably saddest subject matter we've covered so far. Not a real pick-me-up. Uh, he was up against it, though, you know? He held out, then they had to... What's that shoebox of rats come out? Come on, man. They, they've, been, they've been watching what you're scared of for seven years. Uh, you know, not really a pick-me-up. But how, uh, I hope you guys are doing all right. Uh, I hope you find like five bucks on a couch this week or something. And, uh, all right. And I'll, uh, I'll be back later this week with something on Patreon and then back next week with another public one. Thank you guys for listening. And, uh, I'll talk to you later on. All right. I'll see you.